0: Third lesson this morning comes from the book of Exodus, the 17th chapter. Hear the word of the Lord. All the congregation of the people of Israel moved on from the wilderness of sin by stages according to the commandment of the Lord and camped at Rephidim. But there was no water for the people to drink. Therefore the people quarrelled with Moses and said, "Give us water to drink." Moses said to them, "Why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test the Lord?" But the people thirsted there for water, and the people grumbled against Moses and said, Why did you bring us up out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? So Moses cried to the Lord, What shall I do with this people? They're almost ready to stone me. And the Lord said to Moses, Pass on before the people, taking with you some of the elders of Israel, and taking your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile, and go. Behold, I will stand before you there on the rock at Horeb. And you shall strike the rock, and water shall come out of it, and the people will drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. And he called the name of the place Massah and Meribah, because the quarreling of the people of Israel, and because they tested the Lord by saying, Is the Lord among us or not? This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let me start off by first saying I'm not really. I like the creature comforts of home, I like air conditioning, I like heat, I like running water, I like flushing toilets, I like the internet. I do not like to eat canned beans, I don't really like s'mores, I'm not really one that likes to go camping, but when I do, I tend to complain quite a bit. My trouble with camping began when I was seven years old. My dad was starting a young adults group at the church that we were at in Troy, South Carolina. Now, Troy is in the middle of a national forest. There's not really anything around it. And so whether you mean to be or not, whether you want to be or not, you get to be an outdoorsy type of person. It's just the way of life there. We had a group of 25 to 30 people at this young adults, and it was used kind of loosely. Some were older than others, but this young adults group, and there were a couple of RVs and some pop-up tents that we had taken with us. See, these RVs weren't very nice. They were nothing extravagant. They didn't have air conditioning. Once upon a time, they may have, but no longer. They did have a funny smell to them. The toilets didn't flush. The electricity wasn't that reliable. There was no such thing as Internet back then, at least not the way that it is now. The only saving grace about this entire trip is that I've had a lifelong love affair with hot dogs, since I can remember. And we had plenty of hot dogs. I had hot dogs for every meal. Breakfast, lunch, dinner, it didn't matter. I'd eat hot dogs if it wasn't mealtime. But there wasn't very much else about that weekend that I cared for. You see, I just received my very first Game Boy for my birthday the month before. And the very first Game Boy that came out used four AA batteries. It was kind of like a brick with a tiny screen. And it chewed through these batteries faster than you can imagine. And if I was on top of my game, I could burn through four AA batteries in this Game Boy in less than eight hours. But we got down in the woods, and I discovered the unthinkable. I took my Game Boy with me, but I forgot to take extra batteries. And I forgot to change the ones that I had in it previously. And when I turned that power button and switched it on, And the little Game Boy logo came up on the screen, and then it immediately faded away. My heart sunk with it. See, I discovered at that moment that one month was clearly long enough to develop a strong addiction to a video game, and I started going through withdrawals almost immediately. I whined and I complained to the very best of my abilities. I have no doubt in my mind that I got on every person's nerves at that campsite, not just the people with our group, but everyone there. if ever there was a barren wilderness, my parents had brought me to it and left me to die. There was nothing for me to do. I was bored. I was upset. I was going to make sure that nobody else on that trip was going to have any better of a time than I was going to have. And I didn't seem like I was going to have a very good one. I didn't care that the people were trying to pray, that they were trying to sing, that they were trying to read their Bible, that they were trying to do whatever they could to develop their relationship with God. I didn't have a Game Boy. I did not have any of my creature comforts and we were not going to have a pleasant weekend. Well, once I realized that my complaining wasn't going to make batteries appear in this wilderness, I decided to just start exploring the campsite. I walked off. I started trying to find animal tracks and started trying to find shark teeth because apparently shark teeth are out in the woods. But I wasn't going to like it. Nobody could make me like it. When the sun went down that night, we all gathered around the campfire. People started telling stories, started singing campfire songs. I will never admit it to anyone but y'all. But I think even I was starting to have a pretty good time, despite my circumstances of not having batteries, not having running water, no electricity, and having no food that wasn't thoroughly processed, though that wasn't that bad. I remember that it was really late that night when we were all gathered around this campfire and we were talking, when my little brother, Matt, who was just a toddler at the time, came running up to the, the campfire where everyone was And it was starting to get a little cool, so we had a Coleman kerosene heater uh, sitting there beside us. And Matt ran over, and he grabbed that Coleman heater. And the heater was so hot that it took Matt just a few minutes to realize that his hand was being burned. Matt started screaming. Mom and Dad ran over to him. And all the other people around the campfire gathered around Matt. They could tell almost immediately that it was at least second-degree burns, if not third. And they started to pray. They started praying to God that Matt would be okay in the midst of this untamed wilderness. You see, this campsite that we were at, they locked the gates. I don't know what the reason was. I was too young to know. But I've heard that they locked the gates at 1130 at night. And it was really late when we were around that campfire. And we couldn't get out. We couldn't get to the doctor. We couldn't get to the hospital. It was supposed to be for our protection so other people couldn't come in. But we couldn't get out of there. And I can remember Matt whimpering and crying for a long time that night until Mom and Dad finally took him into the tent that they were staying in, and they laid him in between them. And they covered him up, and both of them started praying that God would take away some of the pain. They were scared. They could tell the burn was really bad, but there was nothing they would be able to do until the morning. My parents entered a wilderness that night that they had never intended to enter. And in the midst of this wilderness, they cried out to God. They believed that God would hear them. They believed that God could do something about it. See, in this particular wilderness, on this particular night, God performed a miracle. After all of them had drifted off to sleep, God went to work restoring my brother's hand. When everyone woke up the next morning, they were all curious, and they ran over to Matt to see if he was okay. They all expected to see a badly burned hand. There wasn't a mark on it. There was no redness. There was no burn. There was no pain. See, God provided for His people when they needed Him. I can remember the way that I felt when all of this happened. I'd managed to get so focused on things that really weren't necessities, things that really weren't important, things that had absolutely nothing to do with God, that I began creating issues for everyone else who was there trying to stay focused on God. I became a hindrance for others because of my own selfishness. My wilderness seemed very, very small after seeing the wilderness that my parents and my brother had just been through. But by seeing them stuck in this barren land that was so scary, that didn't have the resources that they needed when they needed them, that seemed to be physically mangling my brother, I learned something about God. The wilderness often doesn't have what we want. We often find pain, suffering, agony, sadness, many other things that we would rather not find in that wilderness when we're there. But if we realize that we don't have what we need and we call out to God believing that he will be there, believing that we are not alone, we'll find that we're not alone. We'll find that God is there in the midst of that wilderness walking with us. See, without God, the wilderness can be a place of terror. It can be dangerous. It can be lonely. The wilderness can be a place where you start turning in on yourself, where you can't think about anyone or anything else. To become totally consumed by this wilderness and what it doesn't provide for you can become a very, very uncertain and scary situation. If we look at the Bible, though, we find that the wilderness is the place where the Israelites encounter God when they most need him. It's in the wilderness after they leave Egypt that their identity as a people of God is forged. It's through the struggles in this barren wasteland, full of danger and doubt that these people become the children of God. In the passage just before the one that we read today, the people needed food. They had to have it. So God provided manna for them to eat. You would think that having God provide food for them just a few verses before would provide the necessary faith that they need to believe that God would be there when they needed water a few verses later. See, many times in our lives we find that God gives us what we need in one situation and then it doesn't take very long before we enter another wilderness and we start wondering whether or not God will provide him. God proves to us time and again that he's with us, guarding us, providing for us, just going through life with us because he wants to and because he knows he needs us to. Yet time and again, we find ourselves questioning whether God will be there one more time. Why do we do that? Why do we question God's faithfulness? Is it because there have been times in our lives when we cried out to God for something and we felt that we needed it but we didn't get it? Is it because there have been times in our lives when we prayed that we wouldn't lose someone that we love, but then we lost them? What about the times that we prayed for a better job or a better spouse or a better family but it didn't seem that God heard us? Are these reasons that we question whether God will be with us or not? These are all valid questions. They're all good questions. They're all important things in our lives but when these things don't necessarily turn out the way that we think they should where do we do? Where do we go? Sometimes loved ones die. Jobs are hard. Friends or families are unfaithful. Life just doesn't go our way. And we start to question whether or not God is there with us. Whether or not he hears our cries. Let me assure you, God hears us. He cares. And he doesn't want us to hurt. He doesn't want us to be alone. Let's remember that the wilderness is the place where we can see God most clearly. See, the wilderness doesn't have very much else. It doesn't have all of the things that can distract our attention from Him. The wilderness is a place where we get to practice our faith. It's a lot easier to practice our faith when we need our faith than it is to trust in our own efforts when we're doing just fine on our own. The Israelites needed water. They were in a very, very bad place in their lives. They were tired. They were thirsty. They literally had to have water before they withered away and died. They whined. They complained. They like little children on a camping trip that they didn't want to be on. And so they said, Moses, you got to help us. You brought us out here to die? We were better off in Egypt. Maybe we were in captivity, but at least we had what we needed. So Moses called out to God. He said, there's nothing I can do with them. They need you. I need you. And God heard Moses. He told Moses to go ahead of all of the others and to take the staff in his hand, the tool which God had given to Moses to deliver the people out of Egypt and to find the rock on which God would be standing. And Moses was to strike this rock with the staff, and God would provide for his people. The Israelites saw the staff while Moses was walking by. This wasn't just another walking stick. That staff was full of memories of faithfulness. Of the ways that God had delivered his people. They were memories that reminded the people that no matter how bad things got. God never left them alone. God went before them. And he went behind them. God was in the midst of them. God led them through to the other side safely. Folks, God still hears our cries. I want everybody to look above my head at this cross on the wall behind me. God's pretty good at using wooden sticks. As tools to remind us that He doesn't abandon us. See, the cross is just two sticks. But it reminds us of how much God loves us. It tells us that there is nothing that will stop God from walking before us and behind us. And beside us. See, we don't have to be in the wilderness alone. We are the people of the wilderness. We may not like it. But we're pretty good at finding ourselves in places that don't have the basic necessities that we need. We think we're chasing things that will fulfill our wildest dreams. But when we look up and see where we are, we think we're all alone. Take another look around you. Look around. Your brothers. Your sisters in Christ. Brothers and sisters of the wilderness. Brothers and sisters that get to walk alongside of God. None of us are alone. We're all here in this wilderness together, and not one of us can survive without God. Not one of us needs to. See, really, when we start to think about it, we're all just searching for some water. For something to quench our thirst. For something to provide with some life in all that we're doing. What's the wilderness to you? Is it a place of torture and confusion? Or is it a place where your faith will blossom? Are we just going around complaining about the water that we can't find? Or are we searching for the one that can provide all the water?